Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is, wherever you happen to be joining us. We are excited and thankful that you are here with the Hope Rising Ministries podcast, where we love to talk about Jesus, apologetics, and life. My name is Alex, and with me is the one and only Trey. How's it going, man? How are you today? Hey, what's up, Alex? How's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. I'm excited to uh, to have this opportunity again to dive into God's Word and unpack what He's laid on our hearts to share today but man what about that nasty weather outside this morning it's rough well not only is it raining and it got my bald head wet Mm. um but the time went up an hour uh yeah that is true so so when when my alarm starts going off it really isn't that time according to my body (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm like what yeah that's what that is true that um it's really it's weird because since now my alarm is my phone so it adjusts the time for me so if i go to sleep and i get enough sleep when my alarm goes off i don't necessarily recognize that it's you know immediately that oh man it's an hour earlier than what it would normally right right um, so it's kind of weird trying to adjust to that some days, but uh, yeah, this morning was kind of that way. Like my alarm went off, and it didn't really feel like it was any earlier than it was supposed to be, um, which I guess is a good thing because you know sometimes it's harder to adjust to yeah, yeah. the time change. So one of the easiest ways I've found to adjust to the time change, and it's the spring forward is the the most difficult right. one because. You lose an hour of sleep, or so they say. Mm-hmm. So what you do is that night you look at your you look at the clock on the wall because you got to reset that right. Yeah. You got to reset the one on the coffee maker. You got to sit reset the one the one in the, on the oven on the oven. You got to <laughs> reset the, the one on the microwave. Yeah. One in the car or whatever. So what you do is when you look at your watch or your clock on the wall and it says nine fifteen, you say it's really ten fifteen. Yeah. So it's really like 20, 30 minutes I'm going to bed. Yeah. Now, if you can do that, it'll help you the next morning. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and along those lines, I think if you just go ahead and maybe that night before, maybe let's say like around 7 o'clock, go ahead and bump your clocks up an hour, the ones that you can go ahead and adjust. Yeah. And that will that is probably a pretty decent way to be able to help you sort of adjust earlier and not feel as though you lost that that hour of sleep yeah but i guess the upswing is that it gets dark a lot an hour later than usual yeah and and it's already swinging toward longer days anyway so so now you can you know you can mow your front yard when you get home from work now or whatever you know right or wash your car and if anybody wants to wash my car feel free (laughs) oh my gosh that is that is probably to me one of the worst parts about spring is the pollen yeah. just yeah. everywhere. We um, we got a couple of new like front porch chairs that we we put outside and within probably 2 days I mean it looked like they've been sitting out there for a month right. with the amount of pollen that just piles up. Yeah, so my car's black. Uh, so yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I'm going to go get it repainted. And they said, well, what color would you like, sir? I said, well, do you have South Carolina pollen? Yeah. Do you have that? <laughs> that way you can't see all maybe, that in my car. Maybe that's not a bad idea. You just get it painted the color of pollen, they'll never bother you again. 
I mean, if you like, you know, the yellowish, greenish color, that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not So when bad. I'm looking at all this pollen, I'm thinking, you know, I'm breathing that in, oh. and that's why I feel so bad. Can you, can you imagine that? Uh, sometimes you forget about that, but when you're outside... Um, like we've we've been outside this week because we actually finally had some decent weather again and you know when you're out there running around you you don't really think much about it yeah. maybe in the moment yeah. but then you look at your car or something that does sit outside and you're like I was just out in that for you know an hour's time or however long just breathing all that in and yeah yeah no wonder you're coughing and congested and stuffy and having trouble breathing for a little while. It's a yeah. mess, though. Yeah, I think that's what uh, I think that's what hell's going to be like, Alex. Is that you have to you have to do lines of pollen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! And eat with a spork with uh, uh, olive olive oil and uh, noodles. With oh a spork. my gosh! That's what you got to do. That's almost impossible, right there. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's been a good week, and you know, trying to get ready for this this topic that we're going to cover today and studying through that i'm excited for it and if you're joining us for the first time we're excited to have you and we're thankful that you're here uh we are diving into today and looking at jesus in the scriptures in not only in the new testament but also in the old testament and if it is your first time We've been going through a series of episodes where we've discussed and we've looked at and we've viewed other religions outside of Christianity that may seem similar to Christianity, may have some things uh, that are the same but yet are different and are not truly part of the Christian faith. And we've been looking at all of that through the lens of Scripture and trying to understand that and help people to be able to have conversations with others who believe differently than they do. And along with that, now we're sort of shifting from looking at some of these other faiths and religions to now what do we believe as as Christians? Why do we believe the scriptures to be true? Uh, who is Jesus? Why do we believe he is who he says he is? Those things, the core tenets of Christianity are some of the things that we've been looking at and is further of what we're going to discuss and dive into today. So I'm really excited about this and just unpacking and giving really and truly giving more, what's the word, more when it comes to being able to have things to defend your faith for those of you who are listening maybe maybe you have people in your community that you talk to often and i don't just mean where you live but also maybe the community where you work or where you go to school or where you do those things and and it gives you the opportunity to be able to have conversations to be able to help others understand what you believe, but also to give you that confidence in why you believe what you believe. And so that's the apologetic side of what we're called to do as Christians. And that's what we want to help others to be able to have the, the not really just the boldness, but the knowledge to be able to have those conversations. Yeah, true. So uh, on that point, when, when no matter what you believe, no matter what you don't believe, you know, um, 
whatever your mindset is, uh, wherever you are in life, wherever you're going to be in life, Jesus was the most influential mm. person to ever walk on the face of this earth. Come on, yeah. Now, you can believe who he said he was or not. Um, does it really take away from <clears throat> what he did and what he said and what he accomplished? Um, on that note, um, what I've, I've heard a lot of arguments against Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, if you, if you just write them all down on a piece of paper, the one that sticks out the most starts like this. You Christians. Okay? <laughs> right. And I get it. I mean, Christians are just like anybody else. They're human. They, they, they sin. Uh, they have bad thoughts. Um, they are, but they are redeemed. They are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> um, Amen. So I've never really heard anybody attack what Jesus said or did. Maybe I've heard them attack what the Bible says about it. Right, right. But not him personally. I mean, look, th- this is extraordinary, Alex. Do you know what's really extraordinary about Jesus? Do you know why he's the most influential person to ever walk the face of the earth? And, and, and yeah, we can get to the resurrection. Well, he's the only one that ever rose from the grave. Right, right. And never died again. <clears throat> Come on. Um, so how is all that possible? Why was he the most influential person in the world? And this is a very, very interesting slash con- uh, controversial point. You ready? Yep. He never sinned. Mm. Come on. He never sinned. I remember talking to my oldest son one time in the kitchen. And he's he's a still is a real big skeptic and he's you know, I, I pray for him all the time. And I love on him. And I remember one day I told him that. And it was sort of like I mean he already supposed to know this, right? <laughs> And he looks at me and goes, what? And it just blew his mind that I even said that. He goes, yeah, he was a man, wasn't he? Now, see, that's that's how extraordinary the person Jesus Christ was. Yeah. So what we're going to kind of look at is, was he foretold? Was this guy who never sinned, who gave his life and shed his blood on the cross, was buried and raised again? And then sent his Holy Spirit to fill his disciples, to go forth into all the nations and preach the gospel. Come on. Was this guy talked about way before the New Testament was written? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you mentioned something. And before we actually, I'm going to pause and shift just a little bit. The verse of the day. On the Bible app, it just happened to pop up on my phone and I saw it. I just want to read this real quick. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalms 46.10. Just wanted to throw that out there. I thought it was very fitting. Uh, You know, everything that we do 
the the reason for this podcast, the reason for Hope Rising Ministries is to exalt God, to bring glory and honor to Him, to point others to Jesus Christ, our hope, our Lord, our Savior, and that is why we're talking about what we're talking about today. And you mentioned something about Jesus being the most influential person in the entire world. I know there's a lot of people who are atheists or don't like Jesus or believe something different, and so they would try to argue against that. But it is a a proven point by the majority that Jesus is the most influential person in the world. And there are many ways in which you can sort of derive that. And there's actually been studies done uh, to try and determine who the most popular or most known person in in all of history is. And Jesus often is the one who is the sort of winner in that category. And so a lot of people a lot of people believe that he is, whether they believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he did the things that Scripture tells that he has done, they understand and acknowledge that he is the most influential and known person in all of history. And along with that, a lot of people who know about Jesus have either heard, you know, maybe they saw a commercial or they saw some reference or heard some reference on TV or in some video somewhere, or maybe they heard a Sunday sermon. And most often, if if you haven't really been in church or in Scripture much, your knowledge of Jesus likely comes from the New Testament because that's where you learn the most or initially about Jesus and who he is, is in the New Testament. The New Testament is full, especially, I mean, the the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like they are about the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the the books that Paul writes and that Peter and John and James and that they write, they, they talk about who Jesus is and point to him as firsthand accounts of people who have actually witnessed and seen the life and the ministry and acknowledge the the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But a lot of people don't understand that it's not just the New Testament where you can find out about who Jesus is, but it actually takes the Old Testament to really and truly understand and to have the backing of who Jesus says he is who the scriptures say he is in the New Testament, and why we can believe that he really and truly came to fulfill prophecies that were told in the Old Testament. And I was doing some studies, and I can't tell you the exact number, but a lot of what I was finding was pointing to there's over 300 300 prophecies acknowledged in the Old Testament. And guess what? Jesus fulfilled every single one of them, which is crazy in itself. 300 prophecies. So these are people that would have these are people that would have told about a coming Messiah before he was ever born, before they ever even like generations before Jesus came to this earth. So re- real quick, let me add, they that, were unpacking that that. these prophets. Yep. Did not fully understand what even they were prophesying. Yeah, exactly. Now exactly. they, the um, Peter in in the New Testament, 
he describes that as they wanted to. Mm, he said mm-hmm. they longed to yes, look into yes. this. Yeah. Like, what What does this really mean? Right. Yep. And, and you know what's so beautiful and so amazing and wonderful about that is that there's another... There's another example of these people were talking about something that, as you just said, they didn't fully understand, but they were given the wisdom and the direction to prophesy about these things and to even mention and acknowledge these things by the Spirit of God. Right. God was influencing them to be able to even have this this little glimpse of what was to come. So out of all these prophecies, right, Mm -hmm. what is the rule of a prophet? Let's just say the Old Testament prophet. Yeah. What was the rule of the prophet? Had to be true. He had to like be true. They, yeah. Could How not, many times? Could not make mistakes. 100% of 100%, the time. 100% <laughs> Alex? Yes. 100%. Okay. So, well, let's say he messed up one time. Let's say he said something that the Lord said was going to happen and it didn't happen. Mm. Is, he, is he a true prophet? No. No, he is not. <clears throat> um, we won't go into what happened to that guy. But <laughs> Right, right. So here's the thing. Every prophecy that was ever uttered, written down, said about Jesus in Scripture came true. Mm. So just him fulfilling 10 of the 300 is astronomical odds. Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, someone actually did a study. There was a professor, I don't remember exactly the university he was at, but he had about some hundred students that went through this process of trying to to perform this research and and actually determine the probability if you were to take now remember jesus fulfilled with 100 percent accuracy over 300 prophecies now if you take the probability that one single person in all of history right could fulfill just eight of these prophecies it is 1 and 10 to the 17th power. Now, let me give you a little bit of perspective there. So I'm going to read some of what this study said. So if, let us try to visualize the chance of 1 in 17,000 or 1 in 10 to the 17th power. If you mark 1 of 10 tickets and you place all of the tickets in a hat, thoroughly stir them, and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one. His chance of getting the right ticket is 1 in 10, right? Pretty pretty simple odds. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all of the state two feet deep. Two feet. Not just two. I was even thinking like two stacks, but two feet deep that many silver dollars across the entire state of Texas. Now mark one of those silver dollars and stir the entire mass. So rearrange it after you mark the the silver dollar all over the state. And then have a blindfolded person say, all right, go pick the one that has the mark on it. In all of the state of Texas. You get one shot. Yeah, that is the probability that one person would fulfill Eight of those three hundred prophecies. Yeah, and Jesus filled every single one. Yes, it did. That's the is so amazing and so incredible. And that right there is some of the some of the encouragement 
and hopefully things that can help to spur all of us as followers of Jesus to believe and have faith in what Scripture says. You know, in, and it's not just that these are things that we come up with and we're like, oh man, Scripture's, you know, Scripture's really good because it teaches us good moral value, right? Yes, we do get good moral value and instruction from Scripture, but I want to also read to you something that Jesus says about Scripture in John chapter 5. He's talking to, I believe it's a group of Pharisees um, who and maybe even some others that are that are amongst the crowd, but specifically I believe he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's giving testimony about himself. And I'm going to start at, let's see, at verse 37 in John chapter 5, and it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he has sent, talking about himself. And then in verse 39, listen to this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures, don't miss this, that testify about me. And yet you refuse to come to me to have life. If you are listening to this podcast right now, do not miss this. Jesus himself acknowledges and says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus said that. And what he's talking about, because at this time, the New Testament was not written. He's talking about the Old Testament. So how can we as Christians look to see, okay, how do we know that Jesus is who he says he is? Look to the Old Testament. Now, we can go off on a whole discussion and conversation and debate about people who say that the Old Testament's not relevant, it's not important, we don't need it, all you need is the New Testament. Well, I think what Jesus says himself about the Old Testament attests to the validity and the use of of the Old Testament even today. So you reminded me when you were reading out of John 5, a verse that's in John 6. Um, He says, the words, this is uh, 663. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Mm. Okay? In other words, my breath is producing words that are eternal come on that will give you eternal life i mean this started in in genesis 1 and god said let's go let there be light uh, light and there was light and it was good mm-hmm. in the beginning john says it was the word and the word was with god and the word was god jesus is the word without him nothing has been made ever yeah he is before all things. Come on. Come on. Yeah. And then while we're on the <laughs> while we're on the subject of John, let me let me give you something from John chapter four. So all of this that we're covering today and, and why we're discussing this is because we want you to understand, we want ourselves to understand who Jesus is. 
who he says he is, what scriptures say about him, why we believe what we believe as Christians so that you can have that understanding so that when someone questions you or presses you about, well, why do you believe in something that was written thousands of years ago that doesn't have any place or relevancy to our time today? We want you to be able to back that up, to give reasons why you believe what you believe. This is what Jesus says as well about himself. John chapter 4, verse 25. Uh, he's speaking to the woman at the well, if you are familiar with that particular passage. So starting at verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. This is what we believe as Christians, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who came into the world to save the world, to give his life for ours. We believe as Christians that Jesus lived the perfect life, meaning he did not sin. He died the death that we deserve on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin. But then guess what? He rose from the grave in victory over both sin and death so that those who place their faith in him may have eternal life. This is what we, we believe. And what we're walking through, and hopefully even in the you know 20-something minutes that we've been talking already, even the references we've looked at can give you some encouragement that, oh, wait a second. These are good points. Like, these are things that Jesus acknowledged about himself, and the scriptures actually foretell us of that. And that's what we want to look at. That's why the Old Testament is so relevant and important, not just for reference of what you know God's people were doing before Jesus showed up, but actually things that point to who Jesus is, so that we can understand and we can and we can see where people were being told about Jesus hundreds of years, thousands of years before he actually showed up. Yep. And those references come in prophecies. Those references, and, and Trey and I have actually mentioned it before, and we've, we've talked about a couple of these here and there, but they're type and shadows of Jesus all through the Old Testament. And what that is are foretellings or projections of who Jesus would be when he came to this earth, what he would do what his life and ministry, what his death and resurrection would look like. And these are people who, either individuals who represented who Jesus would be, they they in some way had characteristics or they lived a life or they had actions that foretold and projected of what Jesus would do when he came. Now, it doesn't mean that these people are Jesus in some form, but they live in a way that they can represent and project. They foreshadow the coming Messiah. And that's what we're going to unpack as we walk through a lot of the Old Testament references. Yeah, so who is the Messiah, right? Um, it's it's the, the Savior. Yes. It's, um, it, it's prophesied in Isaiah that, that the Messiah is, is the Lord God Almighty creator in flesh. Mm. So 
You know, how, does Jesus ever claim that? I mean, does he? I mean, he did. He just did in yeah. uh, John yeah. four. So if you look at the Greek in John four, I mean, it, this is how it's translated: "I who speak to you am He." Mm. Okay. Yep. This is what the Greek says: "I am <laughs> the one." Let's I go. am. Yeah. Right. Come so on. when he's also in John, I think it's John five or six, when he's walking on the water and they freak out mm. and they yeah. say, "Hey." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Who is this? You know what he says? Hey, y'all chill out. I am. That's yeah. what he says. Yep. When he's talking to the Pharisees in John 8, he says, look, man, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And they said, man, you ain't even 50 years old. Mm-hmm. You don't even know anything about Abraham. He says, let me tell you something. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Mm, come on. Okay? Come on. Let's go. Who do you think was talking to Moses in the burning bush? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who is the word of God, Alex? Let's go. Jesus. Yeah. Come on. Who you, you know? Who is the voice of God? Je- who is the voice of the Father? The Son. Yeah. Yep. You know, in Jesus, and as a matter of fact, in John, I believe it was in John 5, he was talking about, you know, the relationship between the Father and the Son as he's speaking to the Pharisees. And there's so many examples like that. And, and that's one, right, where Jesus acknowledges and that's an argument you hear a lot of times is that well jesus never really said that he was these things right but we're looking at them right here we're we're giving reference right now it's already said right that he is he is fulfilling what's already been Mm -hmm. said and what people like to do is they like to twist it and they say well that's not really what he meant that's not really what he was talking about why do you think people do that One, because I'd say they don't understand it. Okay. Right? They they don't understand it. Um, two is maybe that they have some, they have their own personal vendetta against the scriptures or against Jesus or against church. And as you mentioned before, against Christians in general, maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know. What is your thought there? They don't want it to be true. It can't be true. If it's true, we're in trouble. Mm, yeah. If it's true, yeah. how do we fix it? <clears throat> it can't be true. And by that, you're you're saying, and, and you know, speaking from some, speaking from a perspective of a non-believer, right? Like, if Jesus is who He says He is, that means we are a sinful, fallen, broken people. Yep. Yeah. And how do we reconcile that? Right, that's right. Yeah. So here's another here's another way to, to describe that. It's John one, chapter one. Here's the thing: Jesus is the light of the world. Okay. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. But men love darkness more than the light. Mm. Okay. Yep. And you will do anything. <clears throat> And, and make up any kind of argument to show that your position in the darkness is valid. Mm, right. And light, I've heard this recently, even in 
political discussions on, on TV and on, on and podcasts that, quote, sunshine reveals a lot of things. Mm. And what they mean by that is if, if it comes into the light, it is exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and that's where a lot of, a lot of people, ourselves included, right? We have this tendency to draw back into the the darkness to sort of like be reclusive and hide in the shadows because we don't we don't want to acknowledge that we have faults or we have some areas in our own lives that need to be addressed that need to be worked on that we need to do better at. And that's what the light does is to expose those. And that's why that's why the gospel is so hard for people is because it acknowledges and it says, hey, you are broken. You need a savior and you can't do it on your own. Right. And let's be honest, we don't like to hear that. And so it's hard for us to to handle sometimes. But the good news is that Jesus came that we may have life through him and that he's He's paid the price. Right. And he's done everything right. to be able to reconcile us back to God, our creator. So what you just did is what I was trying to explain last week. And if you hadn't heard last week's, pause it and go oh, listen go, to it. Yeah, please do. So you, the, a message needs to contain a, a, a sermon, a message, conversation <laughs> needs to contain both law and gospel. Mm-hmm. So what you just said was that. Here's the law part. We are messed up, and <laughs> we need help. All right. Yep. So the help part is the gospel. So, yeah. Okay. Well, when a person finally gets to the conclusion in their head, see, there's steps to people coming to the cross. The first thing is like Luke 15, the prodigal son's, um, the prodigal son sitting in the pigsty. Yeah. He realizes what's the first thing he do. He realizes, man, I am, I am in a mess. Yeah, like I am, I have destroyed my life. Yeah, but my father, mm. come on, I can go back to my father, right? So, a lot of the, people don't like to understand and know that they need help. Because there's a reason you need help. Because you can't do it. Yep. And the more you try, the more you dig yourself into a pigsty. Believe me, I know. Yeah. No, 100%. And I think everybody, if we're honest and you've lived long enough into your teenage years, you've been in that situation. You've been in that position where you're like, okay. I have, you know, tried to do this on my own and it's just not working. In, in some scenario, some circumstance, you've you've reached that point, I hope. And if you haven't yet, you will eventually. When you try to do it on your own, you come to understand that you can't. And so, in the Old Testament, there are numerous, numerous references to Jesus and the Son of God, right? We we covered the Trinity last week, and uh, th- that was such an encouraging, you know, topic and study for myself. And so, 
in that, we see these types and shadows, these prophecies in the Old Testament. And I'm just going to list a couple and then, Trey, I'm going to pass it over to you to pick the one we want to talk about today. But here's just a few examples of some some of the, the foreshadowing, the types and shadows of, of who Jesus is and, and what he would do in his life and ministry. Jonah in the belly of the fish, right? Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days. And then the Lord delivering him, God delivering him to to do the mission that he had um, been set out on or been called to. Then you've got the rock with the Israelites in the wilderness that God used to provide water to the people. You've got the manna of God or the manna of God that he gave to the Israelites in the wilderness to provide for them. Yep. You've got the people of Moses and Joshua. Yep. Both types and shadows of, of Jesus. You've got the um, Psalm 118 where it talks about the builders rejecting the chief cornerstone. I heard a really good illustration on that that maybe we'll touch on in this episode if we have time. If not, maybe we'll cover it another day. Then you've got the actual the tabernacle of the meeting place, right, where God was with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Yep. That was, and I thought this was really cool, I heard a, um, someone talk about this. The tabernacle was the God with us of the Old Testament, right? And then we had Emmanuel, Jesus, in flesh that was God with us. I thought that was really awesome, really cool um, correlation there. And then there's so many others that are covered in, in Old Testament and that we could walk through, but 300-something prophecies that actually foretell of who Jesus is. And the fact that he fulfilled every single one of those is just incredible. And the prophecies cover things such as Jesus' birth, his ministry, as he you know was here on earth, his death and resurrection, plus his role in the church. The, the global church, the big C church, right? And so all of those are, are something that we could unpack. Again, we obviously don't have time to go through 300 of them, but Trey, you pick the one that we're going to cover in this episode at least. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, we can, we're probably not uh, limited to just one, but one of the main ones is right off the bat, like in Genesis. <clears throat> Let's go. Um, you know, he the first time that he that the the prophecy of God, you know, God himself uttered the first prophecy, mm. by the way. Okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he did. Um God himself performed the first sacrifice. It's all in the story in chapter 3, Genesis. Mm. So, Satan has already said to himself that he is going to exalt himself above the throne of God. He talked a third of the angels into going along with him. Mm. And they are cast out. Right. Okay? So, then you have the creation. Now you've got male and female that are, that are on this earth. God's given them one rule, 
and I'm thinking, why did he even give him a rule? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Right. Right? So let me tell you why he gave him a rule out. Because he loved them. And you're like, what? Listen, let me tell you something. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, what? Listen. Uh, later on in Genesis, when Abraham is has the knife raised and he's going to sacrifice his son, Isaac, which Hebrews later on says that he had reckoned to himself that since God said the promise was going to come through Isaac, that he was going to raise Isaac from the dead. Yeah. Talk about foreshadowing. Right. So the angel goes, stop. I see in your heart that you were going to obey me. And this is Trey's paraphrase. Chill out. God's going to do it. Mm. God himself will provide the sacrifice. Come on. Now, not only did he do that, but he was that. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Nobody could have done it but him. It's the good news. Mm. I'm glad it wasn't some ordinary human. Right. Right. Because they would have failed. So, they've got the rule. Here's the rule. Do not eat from the middle tree, from the main tree of life. Don't do it. Didn't tell them why. Just said don't do it. <laughs> right. Worst thing you could do to my nine-year-old, is just tell him something <laughs> right. without just, telling him why. Yeah. Yep. If he, <laughs> why, Daddy? Why, Daddy? Yep. Whatever you want them to do, tell them the opposite. Exactly. So, all right. So, uh, let's let's read Genesis 3, 1 through 17. It's a little bit of scripture, but the context is amazing. So, here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, even the question, the first question is deceptive. Mm -hmm. Well, he knows what God told her. Yeah. So he's fishing. The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but he did say that we must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Don't even touch it or we will die. And Satan said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Mm. So here's three things that are going on here. Verse 6, three things that happened. One, she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. So it provided a natural resource. Right. She also saw that it was pleasing to the eye, which is a flesh right. resource. Yep. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. So it's an ego source. Pride. Yep. Pride source. Yep. All right. So she took some and ate it. 
Mm. Oh, boy. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, keep in mind, you know, he's not at Kelsey's pond fishing. <laughs> right. He's not innocent in this entire he's situation. He's sitting there the whole time looking at what's going on. Yeah. But the servant's not talking to him. Mm-hmm. So the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord said to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Which he already knew the answer to that. Right. The man said, the woman, of course, that's how we do. The woman you put me here, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord said to the serpent, Now get this, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity, and that is a a very, very strong hatred that cannot be undone, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Let's go. Okay, so that this Come is on. a prophecy about Jesus. Yep. He is the one that's going to crush the serpent's head. And what does that mean, and how does he do it? And how does the serpent strike the heel of Jesus? Which, I'm telling you, uh, if you get bit by an adder or a viper or a rattlesnake in the arm... It ain't good. Right. If you get bit on the heel, it ain't good. Yeah. So basically what happened is the crucifixion is the strike on the heel. And the resurrection. Mm. It's crushing his head. It's the crushing the head, baby. (laughs) Come on. Let's go. See you. Yeah. All right. So let me me explain it with somebody else's words, because I pretty much am not really good at that. (laughs) So let's go to Hebrews 2, 9 through 18. And the writer of Hebrews is explaining what we just said. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am, and the children of God has given me. 
And since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So here's the thing. Come on. Um, what is Jonah? You mentioned it a minute ago. It's a it's a foreshadowing of Jesus being in the grave for three, three days. Three days, right. Yep. And, and coming out of the grave and saving a whole bunch of people. Yeah. What is, this, what is uh, Noah? What is that story about? It's about salvation. Mm-hmm. It's about eight people who were baptized through the water into a new life. Yeah. All right? So how is that possible? By Jesus Christ. It just told you in Hebrews. Come on. Yeah. What is the story of David and Goliath about? It's this story. Mm. Yeah. It's God is, you're going to, he's going to crush your head and you're going to strike his heel. It's, that's the story of David and Goliath. Yeah. And, and you're like, Trey, what in the world are you talking about? <clears throat> well, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Sin and death is what Jesus crushed. Come on. Because right. Satan is the author of it and he holds the power of it. So the resurrection destroyed that. So Goliath is that. He is what represents anti-God. He is what represents anti-Christ. He is the he is what represents anti-truth. He is the mockery of God. Mm. Come on. So David, right, right. who is the foreshadow of Christ, who is the king of Israel, who Jesus is the king of believers, the king of the church, David kills Goliath. That's what the story's about. Right. Yeah. So true. And we've said it before, and I'm going to say it again because it needs saying. The story is not about <laughs> you finding the giants in your life and destroying right. them. If you're a believer, that giant is dead. <clears throat> Death has no power over you. How about that? Yeah. Now, physically, yeah, but not spiritually. Yeah. And that's eternal. Mm. That's good. Yeah, and uh, you know, you were reading there from, from Hebrews, and, and you stopped at verse 15, but I, I love what verse 16 and, and 17 also sure, say. Sure. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Yep. That's also, that. that's us. Those who follow Jesus, those who believe in who he is, we are the ones that need help. Because as we talked about before, we cannot do it on our own. And then verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. You see, this is where we were talking about it. Last week, as we talked about the Trinity, right? This is where Jesus, as the Son of God, fully God, fully man. Mm -hmm. Not 50-50, not a majority, minority. No, Jesus was fully God, fully man. He understood what we go through. And verse 18 touches on that because he himself suffered when he was tempted. 
He is able to help those who are being tempted. He mm-hmm. understands, and you hear you know people kind of preach and touch on this a lot, is that Jesus understands what you're going through. And a lot of times we, before we come to know who Jesus truly is, we have a hard time connecting those dots. Mm-hmm. Is that Jesus can actually understand what me, a mere measly human has to face in the struggles that that I wrestle with every single day. But Jesus knows because Jesus was fully man. And so that's the beauty in the the Messiah that we can trust in. The Savior that we have is that He understands and can help us to navigate and to walk through those seasons and those circumstances that we wrestle with in our own lives. Man, this is something that we're not used to, okay? Mm-hmm. This is perfect. <clears throat> That's perfect. Yes. Like, however that was accomplished is perfect. Yes. But we're not used to that. I don't, I mean, all we know is getting up in the morning and going to bed at night. All we know is a birth and a death. Mm-hmm. We don't know really perfection. perfection. We don't know what that's yeah. like. So it's kind of hard for us to grasp <laughs> that God had this the whole time. Right. That he ain't playing. Yeah. That he had this the whole time time and it worked out exactly like he wanted to and do you think he's changed no i mean don't you don't you know that your life is going in the look there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that i can tell you how hard it is for me to learn lessons okay yeah Been but that's just me mm-hmm. um but it, and, and yeah, I've learned to learn lessons, but it doesn't mean that I don't need to learn anymore. And it right. doesn't mean that I don't need to go through hard stuff in my life. That's what makes character. Listen, there was a guy at work the other day and he was talking about going through hard stuff. And I didn't even, I, he's a vendor. And I don't even know him well. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I didn't even ask him. And it was kind of weirded out by me. But I didn't even ask him if he uh, read the Bible. I didn't ask him anything. I just pulled out my Bible and I said, hey, man, uh, you know what Romans 5 says? And he goes, Romans 5. <laughs> just like that. And he pulls it. Listen, he pulls out his little notepad and he writes down Romans 5. Mm-hmm. So let me read it to you real quick. So therefore, this is verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom mm. we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Come on. Right? Come on. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And what does that produce? And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Mm. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Come on. I mean, right? Come on. So God's got all this figured out. Thankfully. Thankfully, right? You know, one of the things touching on and sort of like again reinforcing what was prophesied and foretold in Genesis 3 about the enmity between the descendants of the devil and 
the descendant of or descendants of the woman and how Jesus would crush the work of the enemy. First John 3 actually touches on this as well. And I want to read um, specifically the verse that we'll key in on is going to be verse 8. But I want to read starting at verse 1 just because I think this fits so beautifully and so perfectly. So First John chapter 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is a gift, and it is beautiful, and it only comes and is available through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and says, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but what we know But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Mm -hmm. You see, our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. Then it goes on in verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. That's everybody. That's every person that has been born on this earth except for Jesus Christ. You are sinful and you break the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. That's what Jesus came to do. That's something we couldn't do on our own. That's right. He didn't say cover them up. Exactly. Take them away. They're gone. Man, come on. As far as the east is from the west. (laughs) And then it goes on and says, and in him is no sin. No sin. He was perfect. God, and... This is the beauty of what's happening right now. I did not plan on reading this passage. I had no idea you were going to mention your conversation with your son this morning about Jesus being sinless. And then verse 6 goes on and says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect the rest of your life in your actions on this side of eternity. It means we're covered by his blood. And then it goes on and says, No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. This is the part that I want to key in on, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, as we read in Genesis. The reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to destroy the devil's work yep jesus is the messiah the christ the savior of the world the one who came to set us free to do what we could not and reconcile us back to god our heavenly father the one who created us the one who put adam and eve in the garden and gave them the rule The one rule not to break, but they did. Mm -hmm. They allowed sin to enter in and separate them from God, which caused all of us for the rest of our lives here on this side of eternity to be separated from God as we are born into sin with only one way back, the way, Jesus Christ. He is the truth He is the life. He is the way to God. And he is revealed in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Mm -hmm. 
You mentioned it earlier about does God change? God never changes. Jesus was there in the beginning with God when the world was created. When everything came into existence, Jesus was there with God. And Jesus came into this world to live the life we couldn't, to die the death that we deserved, and then to give us a victory that we can partake in through his death and resurrection. He holds the power. And by our faith in him, now we can also have life for eternity and be with him and our Heavenly Father. Yep. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Alex, Trey, man, you don't know me, man. You don't know what I've done. You have no idea. Listen, let me, let me tell you something. I love you, but I gotta t- I'm got i going to tell you something. Don't you know that the first two people on the planet broke the only rule they had? Don't you know that the third person on this world killed the fir- fourth person on this world? Mm. Um, it, it It's not all about me, and it's not all about you. Even your sin is not all about you. Let me let me go on a little bit further. What in, in John? What First uh, John, John three? What Alex was reading. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, mm. and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions Mm. and in truth. Yes. So if you are struggling with what to do, um, you don't know what to think anymore. You don't know how to deal with it. Um, you know, we, you can reach out to us. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk with you. Uh, we'll converse with you. Yeah. Uh, even in through email or, or any, anything like that. Um, if you have heard God Almighty call your name today, will you please let us know so we can pray for you and rejoice with you? And maybe steer you to a place where you can worship with like-minded people. Mm. Alex, how in the world can they do that? Yeah, if that's you and you want to reach out and have a conversation or just ask for prayer or some way of of help, you can connect with us and reach us by email at info at hoperisingministries.cc. Or if you happen to be on Facebook, you can find us at Hope Rising Ministries SC. Send us a message, leave us a comment on a post or something, and we'd love to connect with you, to get in touch with you, to help and encourage in whatever way that we possibly can. We are here to do that. We are here to help you understand what it is that God may be calling you to. And that is potentially taking the next step to be connected with a local body of believers wherever you live. We want to help you with that. We want to encourage you with that. We want to pray for you over that or whatever it is you're walking through. We may not have all the immediate answers, but we want to be there to walk with you, to help you, and kind of do whatever we can to point you in the direction to find those answers that you may be looking for. 
So if that's you, please reach out to us. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here and spending this time with us and allowing us to unpack what God has put on our hearts to be shared. There's so much more we can look at that points to and acknowledges who Jesus is. And maybe we'll continue this for a little bit for another episode or however many that we feel the Lord leads us to be able to to continue walking through the Old Testament passages in Scripture that shows and foretells of the coming Messiah who has come, by the way, who has been here on this earth and lived and died and rose again. And that is Jesus Christ. So thank you. We love you. We hope you'll join us again next week. Trey, thank you. Enjoyed it as always. Hope you all have a great and awesome week. We'll catch you again next time. God bless. Peace out, peoples.